Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Support WrestleTalk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hi, very, varying it up this time. I'm Ollie Davis, kind of depressed, rather angry Oliver Davis. Uh, apologies for all the vitriol you're about to receive over the next hour to hour and 20. And I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaff Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. It sucks seeing you like this, man. You seem just, like, down and defeated. I can't shake it. Yeah. And it's because of Raw. Like, as I say in the, the main show, there's there's nothing in my life that I'm angry about. I, I really love my life. Uh, but I've just got this rage in me right now. Like Alex Riley. Not about political situations or immigrant crises it's about wrestling which is ridiculous which makes me angry at myself that i get so worked up over these things rather than real life things but that's the way it is i haven't felt this annoyed with how spectacularly uh, a property or something with so much potential has been bundled since suicide squad <laughs> And we all know how much you were so upset with that film. I, I, yeah, that, that, that hit me because I, I believed. That's the problem. Like, I don't mind if things are crap. Oh, I do mind if things are crap. But if things are crap when they could have been amazing, that's what really hits me. Yeah, that's what really hurts. Um, yeah, it's funny enough, I was talking to my wife about this the other week. Well, last week, in fact. Talking about the, uh, the Activision Blizzard layoffs. Um, that they, They've laid off 800 members of their staff. Uh, and moments moments later, the CEO, Bobby Kotick, was on a conference call with investors saying, like, we've had record-breaking um, terms of profit this year, and we've made more money than we've ever made before. And it's like, well, well, then why did you lay off a load of stuff? It's because they didn't make enough money. They didn't make as much as they were projected to make because they had an incredible year last year. And it's like, well, that's not how growth works. You And, it, and I kind of got into this whole thing about like corporate greed and CEOs and them making millions of dollars despite the fact that people are not making those millions of dollars and are being laid off because they're not making that much money. And Bobby Kotick could be fired as CEO and he'll just go and be CEO of another company and get a $1.5 million signing bonus or some other nonsense. And my wife just sent me and said, I haven't got enough energy to be angry at that as well as other things that are happening in this world. And I was like, do you know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely. And sometimes I feel that if I get at, mad at wrestling, I'm not getting mad at something else. And that's probably way more important for me to be mad at. 
Are we? Is this more of a, a counselling session for us both, <laughs> where we reveal that wrestling is actually a coping mechanism yeah, yeah. for an increasingly confusing and rage-making world? This world is falling apart. This is a world in which our country's leader is criticising people for caring about climate change. That is a maddening situation. Right, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> it's true, though. Daniel Bryan is right. It's one of the other things that really I find so funny about WWE. He's the baddie, apparently. He's the one that's talking the most sense. Oh, I mean, that's a new sound. Uh, I don't know if this is picking up. Uh, apologies if it sounds quite choppy, this podcast as well. But there's some... Um, there's some drilling oh, going on in the drilling studio. drilling is back. It's made yeah. its return to this podcast. Um, sorry, so, go on. So there's like a little interrupt every every five, seven minutes. But hopefully you won't be able to hear it. It'll be a lot more evident on the video version yeah. where we can't seamlessly disguise yeah. us jumping, jump cutting around. To be like that episode of this episode, her sweet cam. Yeah. Uh, do you want a Rusev, hey? Rusev, hey! This comes in from Robert. Hello, Luke, Ollie, and Laurie. First off, I want to say I enjoyed the quality work you all put out. Your podcast helped my commute uh, to and from work a lot better, although I do sometimes think you are a bit too negative when it comes to certain aspects of Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> Brackets, I'm sure you hear that daily. I'm sure we're going to hear that a lot today. Uh, anyways, just wanted to share this story with you all. This past Monday, I was at a WWE live show in Canton, Ohio, and was fortunate enough to sit ringside for the event. The first match was a triple threat tag team match between the New Day, the, Usa, the Usos, and Rusev and Nakamura. Sounds great. That does sound good. Uh, during the match, Kofi Kingston was knocked off the ring apron and fell to the floor right next to where I was sitting. As he sits up, he looks at me and says, What's up? He then grabs... Yes. He then grabs my shoelaces and unties my shoe, then with a straight face looks back up at me and says, Hey bro, your shoe is untied. <laughs> <laughs> and then got back up and went back to the ring. I thought this was hilarious, and the entire New Day came over after the match and gave me a high five. I enjoyed how interactive all the wrestlers were during this live event, and will definitely go back next time they are in town. It's almost like having fun at a wrestling show makes you want to go to more of them. Some people just like to have fun. Mm. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, not everyone though. Why wouldn't you? It's very clear. Michael Cole doesn't say it for everyone, so clearly not everyone no. loves to have fun. No. Some people like to be bored. Oh yeah, that's, that's why, why they, they watch, watch Raw. Raw. Hey. Nice slam. Uh, also, I think my shoes must be lucky because the next night Kofi went out and lasted over an hour in the SmackDown Gauntlet match. Anyway, thanks for reading this out. I look forward to all of your future work. Thanks, guys. That's from Roberts. Is there is there a shoelace pun there that hmm. we can tie Shoe in? Shoe day rocks. Oh, there you go. I, yeah, I, I, stumped, I talked over yours, I'm afraid. Okay. Uh, Bernie has got a Rusev Ney. Nice. I like these in. ones more. Hello, Luke, Ollie, Laurie. Brackets not spelt uh, Laurie, which he spelled incorrectly last time. And in all caps, definitely not that <laughs> dastardly Datsun. So yesterday, brackets, Saturday the 16th, me and my family went to New York City to go to the J.R.R. Tolkien Museum. Oh, nice. I hear that's a... Uh... Oh, but it was closed. Ah, oh, I hear it's really good. Mm. Anyways, after we... I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy, so mm. I don't think it would mean a whole much to me. Did he write anything else other than Lord of the Rings? And The Hobbit, obviously. And the Similarian. But that's and Lord of the Rings. That's also in there. Yeah, that's adjacent. Uh, I think he also did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And... That, are you making that up? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I genuinely wasn't sure. That is Ken Something like that. Okay. Cassie? Yeah, I Don't can't know. remember. Isn't Carry the, on. Isn't he the one that got the Falcon? Sure. Now in, in that movie, 
Kez. Yeah. 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 Nice. Thank you. Uh, anyways, after we browsed the Disney store, we walked to Times Square. Awesome place, Times Square. Very busy. Uh, that, that's me interjecting there. And there was a street performance in which a group of men jumped over a line, randomly picked civilians. One of these civilians had present had. Okay, well, I'll try that again. One of these civilians had the patented shaved head and stubble pattern of the one and only Austin Aries. Oh. Anyways, after the performance, I went up to speak with him and realized that he was about two inches shorter than Aries and his head was a completely different shape to the rest of his body. I hope this makes it onto the podcast. I'm 15 and I've been a fan since late <laughs> 2016. Much love from Maryland from Bernard. That's great. Sorry you didn't get into the museum if you if you traveled a long way. Uh, the Yeah, Austin Maryland. Aries has quite a distinctive facial hair regime. Mm. So you would expect, if I just saw a beard, I'd, I'd risk it and go over and say, hi, Austin Aries. Yeah, I'd think so. Huh. Um, I had a, not a Rusev Hey or a Rusev name, but it was a Rusev Sighting. I already told you about this. So there's a documentary called Behind the Curve on Netflix that I started watching on Sunday, just because it's about flat earthers and I thought, well, with a, with a title like that, Behind the Curve, I'm watching it on the basis of that pun. And, and they had a clip on there to demonstrate how the flat earth theory has penetrated into mainstream sort of minds. Mm -hmm. of Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack saying to AJ Styles, you're a flat earther. And AJ Styles reacts like, I'm not a flat earther. I just say, there's some, there's some, they've got some interesting points. And Daniel Bryan's like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what interesting points that they possibly have? Yeah, that can't be disproved with a Fact. quick Google. Yeah, absolutely. Facts and science. Mm. Um, yeah, because I was talking to you about that. The, the quickest way to get angry comments and angry tweets from people is to say that AJ Styles is a flat earther on a podcast or a YouTube video because people will come back to go like, he's not a flat earther. He just thinks they have some points. Which I happen to agree with. <laughs> and uh, I'm not a flat earther either. It's just some interesting questions that I think need to be answered. They were answered <laughs> ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> the earth is... But who's benefiting? <laughs> Of this mass conspiracy that we're actually in a flat earth with a dome and the moon and the sun are on a giant lighting rig. Yep. It's the Truman Show, everyone, but on a big global scale. Mm. Um, yeah, but anyway, let's crack on into the rest of the show because we may actually have some flat earthers listen to this and they might be very upset at our very basic view of what they believe. Yeah. Um, no, no, I watched the documentary. That's what they believe, though. I thought I was waiting for the big thing that goes... Because all great conspiracy theories have a bit in where you're like, ah, okay, mm. that's interesting. This one doesn't. It's just like everything they say is really quickly disproved. <laughs> uh, I sent this across to you, but I recommend... Um, there's a YouTuber called H-Bomber Guy who's got a wonderful 45-minute video that is a measured response to flat earth conspiracies. And it's not him saying like, why this is stupid, why this is that and the other. He looks at it and goes like, that's fine you think that way, but here is something that disproves that in a very measured manner. And it's a, it's a fantastic video because there's a, a YouTube series that he kind of reviews in that of this guy who just records himself walking up to random people in the streets and going like, have you heard about the flat earth conspiracy? And saying facts to people and they just have this look on their face like, please go away. Please do not interact with me. But he takes that to be like, I've converted someone else. It's, it's great. Anyway, we'll crack on with the show now. This is a quite a negative show. So if you don't want to hear it, that's, that's absolutely fine. But do skip ahead to the outro portion of this podcast because the great clothing debate rages on. Ooh. And I'm going to declare 
this is the final part of the great clothing debate. If it ends with you, with it being like, and I had the last laugh, <laughs> Luke now, Cohen was F right. <laughs> Here's the show. We've been pretty positive as of late, I would say. Elimination Chamber, I gave a five out of five. I love the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. I think SmackDown has been doing some of its best TV work since the brand split. Raw hasn't been great, but I think we've we've tried to find joy in it. We've tried to find the bits that, that we can hang on to. Um, most of it's been a bit rubbish, but it's not like we had expectations for EC3, Heavy Machinery, Lacey Evans, Lars Sullivan, remember him, Nikki Cross, remember her. And we always thought they'd kind of be wasted anyway. And they're not top-tier NXT call-ups that we were super invested in from developmental anyway. So we... We didn't mind that this was all falling apart. We sort of laughed at it. And other things where we would normally get frustrated, we found comedy in that as well. We've been very positive. However, I've seen that a lot of people have liked this episode of Raw, which had just NXT call-ups from more out of nowhere than Randy Orton's most secret ninja wet dreams. And I think this is, for my money... This is one of the most hugely damaging episodes of Raw I've ever seen. I, I actually think this might be the most damaging episode of WWE television I've ever reviewed on WrestleTalk. So that's going back three years before the brand split. I, I think what they did on this show is so short-sighted and wasn't just a boring show. It negatively affects the future in a really significant way. I didn't hate it as much as you did. Uh, I got a text message from you this morning that said, what the hell is going on on Raw? Like, what on earth was happening on Raw? And I was like, oh, he just saw the heavy machinery Lacey episode because, yeah, that was a bit weird. And your reply was, no, the whole thing. And then I saw your reply on Discord, which was, that was abysmal. Um, but I've seen a lot of people, I say a lot of people, I saw some people on our Patreon page going like, excellent episode of Raw, like really, really good surprises at the Wazoo, this, that, and the other. I fall on the side of, okay, so you and I are often criticized of being hypocritical because we were uh, quite critical of WWE's portrayal of the on their way to WWE NXT call-ups, your, your Lacey Evans, your heavy machineries, because essentially what they did was they the idea was let's not have them do wrestling matches and get over that way we'll have ec3 stare at himself in a mirror we'll play weeks of video packages we'll have lacey evans do a catwalk thing and then she'll walk back we'll have otis dozovich act like a goblin you know we'll do all of these things and we criticized them for that it was like just let them have wrestling matches that's a way to get them over so here we have nxt call-ups that just came out of the blue triple h just came out and said like Four people are debuting tonight. And they all had wrestling matches, which they all won. So, from a positive side of things, at least they had wrestling matches. On paper. On, yes, on paper. At least they had wrestling matches, and they were wrestling matches that they won. It's not how I would have done it, but at least there is that aspect of it. For me, the more damaging aspect of this was the way that WWE effectively told you... Anything that happens on NXT doesn't matter. If you watch that show, go ahead. 
but it doesn't actually matter when they come to the main roster. When Gargano and Champ, when they just randomly announced Gargano and Champ are going to face Revival, I was like, why are they a tag team? And then they had a backstage segment where they never acknowledged the fact that they are essentially feuding and have been feuding for the for all of 2018. And they were just like pals. And then they had a random tag team match where they were baby faces. I was like, what the hell is going on? And it made me think of, could you imagine if Marvel Studios were, were doing the MCU but were also doing other comic book movies at the same time that were not connected to the MCU? And they released Civil War where Iron Man and Captain America butt heads and they fight. And that movie ends with them both going off their separate ways. And they're like, the Avengers is done. The Avengers are over. These two hate each other now. There's no coming back from this. And then they release a movie two months later where Iron Man and Captain America are on the same side fighting against other people. You'd be like, well, that makes no sense storyline-wise because I've just seen these characters do something else. What happened? What happened? That's what I felt like with this. And it's... I was saying this to Laurie and and Randy Danson in the office. If you're a casual fan who's not watched NXT and you watch this show and you're like, for whatever reason, you were like, wow, I really like this Champer and Gargano. I really like this Alistair Black. I really like this Ricochet. I'm going to watch NXT this week and and give it a go. I'm going to sign up for the network and give it a go. If you watch NXT this week, none of that's going to make any sense because all of a sudden you're going to be like, wait, what, they hate each other? They're not a tag team? Then they, they... that, that he's under his control, he's a puppet master, what is going on? Oh my god, actual layers of three-dimensional <laughs> characters. And that's where this episode fell down for me. However, what I would say, because I'm trying to I'm trying to say on a more positive side of things here, I'm trying to remain more positive, although I don't think this was a good show, I, just, I didn't hate it as much as you did, I don't think this was these were NXT call-ups. I don't think this was these four lads debuting on Raw. I wouldn't be surprised on SmackDown tonight we're going to see some of the women debut. Might see like a Kyrie Sane or an Io Shirai or a Bianca Belair. And they'll just have matches that they'll win and, you know, whatever. So I don't see these as NXT call-ups. What I see this as, this is Triple H's global localization coming into effect. NXT is no longer a developmental brand. NXT UK is not a developmental brand. They are just brands within the broader wwe world and you'll see nxt guys and girls come up to raw and smackdown do a bit of a feud there go back to nxt similarly you might see raw and smackdown guys and girls have some feuds on raw and smackdown go to nxt do some bits and pieces there go back to their raw and smackdown brands maybe some nxt uk stuff happens that all get even wider when they do nxt germany and nxt japan and it's essentially a territory system within wwe And it's a way to not always have the same lads and lasses on your shows. And it also gets rid of this main roster stigma, this main roster call-up stigma. Because I think that the main roster call-up term has become a poison chalice. And and, and so people, sorry to cut off, people dread the NXT call-ups. WWE will just ruin them on the main roster. So they're doing away with that. And so there is no more main roster call-up. You just sort of go from brand to brand to brand. You you think Triple H has sat down with all the higher-ups in WWE and created this massive global strategy involving various countries and different promotions just because there's a main roster stigma. 
I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm up. not saying because of a main roster stigma. I'm saying that one of the benefits of this is to get rid of that. And I'm not even saying that's the case. I no, look, I'm, look, look, I, what, one the, the thing that I got from this was there was nothing planned about this. This yeah. this to me all the, so what happened was Triple H comes out at the start of the show. He's cutting an in ring promo and he's doing an elimination chamber recap. Hey, look at all the new champions we've got. He talks about Kofi Kingston getting over. He says something about Becky Lynch. You know, in my opinion, that was pretty cool what she did. And I'm like, what is your character right now? He's a babyface. Because you were a, definitely a heel when you were suspending her and, and shouting at her just two weeks ago. And then he's like, oh, and I'm going into the Hall of Fame with DX and China. Well, hey. And then out of, out of nowhere, and this made me sit up, you know, Triple H opening Raw promo. Okay, autopilot mode kind of washes over my head. But then he says, I also oversee NXT, WWE's third brand, even said like third global brand. And then he says, and we're going to get a bunch of NXT call-ups tonight. And I was like, You're, you mean like the people who have already been packaged, right? So EC3, heavy machinery. And then it's Ricochet, Alistair Black, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Like, I don't think, apart from Adam Cole, you couldn't have bigger names coming up from NXT. Velveteen Dream, baby. Yeah, but, but like, yeah, he's yeah. not won a title. Like, all those four guys, are, they're, they're former champions. And Ricochet, Alistair Black, I think Alistair Black, you know, is, it's, good, it's time for him to come up. Ricochet, it's good that he's coming up as well. Champa and Gargano are the NXT champion and North American champion, respectively. They've got this incredible feud going on in NXT. Like, what? What's the point of that? So, I, I don't. I if if this isn't a full call up, maybe it's just those two guys who are gonna stay back down in NXT and, and maybe work a few, and maybe Ricochet and Black are gonna be full time. But I still got the impression that this was Vince waking up one day and say, Let, let's do something, let's try something new. Well, that was the report that was coming out uh, on, on Monday, sort of like morning time for the US and into the afternoon, that Raw hadn't been written. Raw was still, like, they hadn't had a plan of what they were going to do on Monday Night Raw. Which always makes me laugh when people go like, oh, Dave Meltzer and all those, they just make things up. It's like, well, no, it's just plans keep changing by minute by minute. Of course things aren't going to pan out the way that it's always reported, regardless. And if the report was that they were told, writers were told, think outside the box. And this really felt like a think outside the box. It's yet another, let's put a re push a reset button. This new era that we started back in December isn't really taking off. So we'll just hit yet another reset button. The other way I don't think this is official call-ups is they had the NXT branding when, during their entrances. So it didn't, it didn't feel like these four lads are leaving NXT. So the Champa Gargano thing can continue down in NXT and will continue into TakeOver Brooklyn 5 and, and beyond <laughs> and whatever. Alistair Black, I think, was always going to get called up to the main roster after WrestleMania. Anyway, he's done everything that he can do there. So, I, I mean... I, well, in, the, in that case, acknowledge the storylines and characters that you have in it. NXT. That's my issue with this, is that they came out and they weren't the same people that they were in NXT. The, the Champa Gargano thing, I think, is so damaging to that storyline. Because... It's the same way Gargano just came out at the Royal Rumble and was Johnny Gargano. He wasn't the Johnny Gargano we'd seen less than 24 hours earlier at TakeOver. He was just, 
hey, I'm a wrestler now. I'm a babyface, by the way. Candice LeRae, bless her heart, is the only one who still seems to be playing along with this because she posted up on Twitter an image of those two standing up on top of the raw ramp with their titles and she scribbled out Tommaso Ciampa. Because in storyline, they don't like each other. There, there was a little bit where after beating the Revival, as they would later on, uh, Gargano went to leave and Ciampa brought him back in and it was Ciampa who raised Gargano's hand. So there's the, sort of that master puppetry thing. But I, I, yeah, I think that's Gargano going, well, I I like what we were doing. I'm going to... look. All that these backstage guys... promo completely negates all of that. Yeah, so Gargano, Ciampa and Black looked like they didn't want to be there from, by, from me. Ricochet genuinely looked happy <laughs> like he cut well, this promo yeah. later on he w he got a bit teary he seems like he's actually this is a dream come true for him to debut on the main wwe roster champa gargano and black seemed very uncomfortable delivering these scripted crap that they were given compared to how free they were in nxt the black promo was very bad. okay so let's go through each of these first up we had ricochet the, the beyond there was nothing apart from Triple H in the opening promo saying these guys are happening. And there was like a 30, 45 second video package for each guy. And Michael Cole going, yeah, both worth over each one. Another major problem with this and what tells me that this was done very last minute and has very little thinking behind it in terms of long term strategy is that you did this in front of what well, I don't know where Lafayette Lafayette, Louisiana, Louisiana, apparently very small place uh, in comparison to other shows. They're not like they're not a hot wrestling crowd. They're not a they're not a Chicago. They're not a New York. They're not a Raw after WrestleMania or even a Raw after the Royal Rumble crowd. Imagine if this was done after the Royal Rumble, and you've got that international traveling audience that watches NXT that knows all the characters, that will react to them when they get called up or make sudden debuts like this. And so, so it's not a crowd that cares. And why should they? Like, I think uh, the crowd were awful regardless. They didn't get into the people they knew. They didn't get into the people they didn't know. But is that really their fault? Because Raw doesn't have anyone. Brock Lesnar's not there. Becky Lynch isn't there. And Seth Rollins isn't there. So they've got just all these mid-carders. Braun Strowman's been flattened out. And now you've got, hey, now we've got four other guys that you've never heard of, or maybe you've heard a little bit about them. But even if you have, we're not going to address any of the stuff they've done that you might have liked. And by the way, we did this a couple of months ago anyway, and all that was rubbish as well and hasn't panned out effectively. So why would you get enthusiastic about these new people? Having Gargano and Champa just tagging. Like, my note for that match is just like, you can't just do this. Like, the story you've been telling down in NXT for the last two years, you can't just have this match on Raw. It makes no sense. I did get a message from someone who was there at the building, though, uh, that said, in our defense, alcohol at the Cajun... Cajun Dome, I guess that would be. Uh, alcohol in the Cajun Dome went up in price. I feel ashamed we were so dead. Mm. I also got a message from uh, CJ Nazcar that said, this crowd is so dead, Jesus wouldn't get cheered. Mm. Well, ultimate heel. Uh, the, so first up, we had Ricochet. He was the first debut. I would say his was the most positive out of the bunch. Um, because... Actually, I would disagree with that. Okay. Well, well let's, let's go yeah. into what happened and then we can unpack why. So Finn Balor comes out. Uh, Bobby Lashley jumps Finn Balor with a Leo Rush distraction. So they're a team again. So that Elimination Chamber angle 
doesn't matter. Look, I, I didn't think it was a breakup, but at least say why they're back together. At least reference the fact that Bobby Lashley took out Rush the previous night. I mean, what? I think Michael Cole just said on commentary, ah, oh, yeah, they worked it out. That, that awful storytelling. They did keep saying that Finn didn't beat Bobby. He beat Leo mm. for the title. So Lashley's beating down uh, Bala and who should run out for the save but Ricochet, which again has its own problematic thing. If that's a spontaneous beatdown angle, was this always Ricochet's scheduled match? I, d I, d I don't know how this is meant to play out when you start to treat it as anything other than complete lunacy that is just scattergun and approach. So... But Ricochet got all his stuff in. He looked very impressive. How can he not? He's he's such an athletic, impressive wrestler to watch. And he got the pin over Leo Rush. Um, but it's a debut in the Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, Leo Rush storyline, which is so mid-card. Okay, so here's where my issue was with this match. And it's the exact same issue I had with the Elimination Chamber match and one of the reasons why I didn't like that match. The way that this match was structured was that if Finn and Ricochet were in the ring with Leo Rush, they were fine because they could do their flip de doos they can do their dives, they can do this, that, and the other. As soon as Bobby Lashley gets in the ring, they're rubbish and they just get beaten down by Bobby Lashley. And what it essentially tells you as the audience is like, these lads can beat the manager but they cannot beat the guy the manager is managing because he's actually big and he's impressive and he's dominant and they're just rubbish compared to him. But they can beat the crap manager, so it's fine if they can beat the manager. I Wasn't there a few bits? I remember a few spots where Ricochet did sort of get the better of Lashley and Lashley was frustrated. I thought I thought there Ricochet was a bit, got there was a, a bit. There was a bit of that. Yeah, but the, but any, not, yeah in no way enough. If I if this was me, if I was in charge of this and it was like, you've got to debut Ricochet tonight, I would have had Finn Balor come out and say, I'm going to have an icy open challenge. Ricochet answers that challenge. They have a 10 to 15 minute match that's really good and Finn Balor wins. And Ricochet looks really good in defeat and you raise the hand of Ricochet at the end, you put him over and you're like, wow. And if you want to see more of that, get onto the WWE Network and watch NXT on a weekly basis. I wouldn't have him just being beaten up by Bobby Lashley and pinning Leo Rush. I'd, I'd have Lashley or, or maybe Leo Rush runs in to, to scupper that match. It's a double DQ and Bala and Ricochet beat up Rush afterwards hmm. to chase him off. I don't think it hurts Ricochet to, to lose in a, a, a competitive match with Finn Bala. It didn't hurt Sami Zayn or any of those other NXT guys well, when, John, when John, Cena. John Cena was doing that. That's John Cena. Well, well, this well, is Finn Bala. Yeah, but Ricochet, Finn Bala. Yeah, but Ricochet can make him believe. <laughs> so that was call-up number one. And then after that, a few segments later, we got... Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa backstage just not not just being together, which is problematic with their fantastic 2018 feud. And, and like this is multi this is years and years of just expert storytelling. Oh yeah. And you've you've just you just completely undermined it with one episode of Raw for what? And they're there, they're talking in defense of NXT, Champa is almost proudly saying, we're here to represent NXT. I was like, when has that been your character? Yeah, I know. I mean, my note is this just doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right. And then Rude and Gable come in. They're heels now, I guess. I I mean, they, they were saying, 
look, what it should be us getting the tag title shot, not you. I, I didn't see this as heels. I just saw this as people being competitive and wanting the tag title shot. I thought Gable was quite heelish in this segment. Yeah, he could, he could be, but you could say the same thing about the Usos last week. I wouldn't say that was a heel turn. I mean, what what are Gable and Rude anyway? Uh, <laughs> who, who gives a crap? Former tag team champions, mate. Um, as of last Monday. <laughs> But, and Chad Gable had this this line that I was... This was the first bit. Because the Ricochet thing didn't kill me off in this episode. I was I was excited about seeing all these new guys. Yeah. I thought we were going to get them in the main event mix. Yeah, yeah. I thought the revival and DIY was going to go on as the main event. I thought, oh, that's how you position it as a, yeah. a big thing. Even though it is problematic because it's that <laughs> tag team division vortex. Luke does have a cold, by the way. He's Sorry. not just getting super emotional about Gargano and Champa. But Chad Gable says, look, we should have the next title shot against the Revival. You, you new guys have to work your way up from the to, to the top on Raw. I thought, that's, that's the mentality backstage. These NXT guys can't just come in off the back of all the incredible things they've done in NXT. They've got to, in Vince McMahon's eyes, prove themselves all over again, redevelop their characters, all over again into a more one-dimensional, not as fleshed-out version. It's the WCW thing all over again. Like when the WCW lads came in after they'd bought the company, they weren't treated like you're our new signees. We're all one company now. They were just like you're the other company. One of the first things. This is a true story. One of the first things the WCW guys were made to do was all put on a T-shirt with the WCW logo on it. So essentially, you can be identified as not one of us. And when they booked those feuds then, it was that WWE had to win because, well, we can't put over WCW talent. I'm like, you idiots, they're your talent now. It's all your talent. Um, the, the one, the, so this was a backstage uh, segment. The one positive bit about it was when the revival came out with the belts just and just cut a great a promo. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they, it was really good. And, and the sort of tension between the three teams, I was still optimistic at this point. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, it's, it's like, it's so weird. It's like 2018 and NXT didn't happen. And so really, really horrible. Like, it's so insulting to the, the, the fans that put all the time and effort to watch all the stuff that WWE puts out. And my God, there's a lot. Those are your most dedicated, passionate fans. And this is WWE just saying, oh, yeah, we don't care about that. We don't. We don't care about that. So. Yeah, we need our. You know, we've got time to fill. Um, hey, you wanted these NXT call-ups. We're giving you these NXT call-ups. That's the most frustrating thing. I can feel that <laughs> argument. You know, like we said, well, you can't just run video packages for everyone for for six weeks and then have them debut and do nothing. So okay, we won't give you any video packages <laughs> and we'll put them in matches. This like, is well, that's, just that's, what you wanted. You're listening to the wrong bits. I mean, I also said, don't do them all at the same time because they won't feel as special. When I used to buy two musical albums as a kid, just buy, they could be equally great albums. One's just going to fall by the wayside because I'm going to listen to one all the time and the other one's going to get lost. I think it's, it's so bad. Anyway, surprise, surprise, the revival and DIY had a great match. I'd say it was a good match, yeah, really good. But I it, really it, enjoyed it. It was really hurt by a crowd. Yes, a yeah. crowd that could not have cared less. That's what makes it very good. Like the crowd, you're not having the crowd. Like if you just looked at the in-ring stuff, I thought it was a great match, but the crowd took it down so much. And then again, is that the crowd's fault, or is it WWE's bad booking of of just everything in general, and more specifically, calling NXT guys up? 
for this audience. And also, why don't you just make this the main event? Well, because Ronda Rousey was going to be in the main event in her Elimination Chamber rematch. I, with the, the revival, like the revival last week with Gable and Rude managed to turn around a crowd that didn't care. And by the end of it, that crowd were into that match. The same thing didn't happen here. For whatever reason, this crowd were just not reacting. I've seen a lot of people joking that the crowd were hotter for Rock versus Mankind at halftime heat a few years ago in the MT Arena match. And it was it really did feel like there was no one there. And even then when star, like quote stars came out, they didn't recognize, they didn't react to them either. Jennifer Becky, well, that was about it. Yeah, Becky who wasn't there. Like yeah. Seth wasn't on the like didn't come out for this bit. But I, I, I really sympathize with the crowd. It's not it's not really the crowd's job to to go crazy and give you a great atmosphere. It's WWE's job to put on a show and put on a product over time that makes you want to react like that. No, you see, you're in that you're in that WWE mindset, the one that Paige was talking about with women's wrestling. WWE were never holding women back. It's your fault that women didn't get time on TV. Of course. I'm part of the problem. Yeah. Um, and the, as I said in my review, the cherry on top of this crap cake was, so uh, that happened. And I, I wasn't, you know, it was a good match. I was like, oh, but it's just so, it's just so weird that DIY, a, a tag team and the, all that stuff. Like, I, I didn't like that at all. But, okay, Alistair Black, how's he going to debut? Right. When Elias drummed his guitar, I was like, this segment writes itself. Because we're getting towards the end of the show here. We've still got the Ronda Rousey thing. So this is the most simplest. And I was like, Mwah, you've done this perfectly, WWE. You couldn't have done this any better. Elias drums his guitar. He does some cheap heel heat, blah, 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 blah. Alistair Black walks out. Black mass, one, two, three. Alistair Black looks brilliant. Oh, guys, you've done this. Like, this is, it writes itself. It's so simple. It just writes itself. But that, that, that's not what happens. Instead, Elias came out. He did some cheap heel heat. Alistair Black came out. Michael Cole called him Moody. And then he cut a very bad promo that was horribly scripted and was never going to be good. And then they had a match where Elias took 90% of the offense and Alistair Black won with a black mass out of nowhere. He struggled to beat Elias. There were rest holds in this match. <laughs> this went through an ad break. This match went so long. It was remarkable. So one of the things we get accused of, and I fully take this on board because I think I, I agree, <laughs> is that we fantasy book a lot of stuff. We get excited about where they can go, and then we set we come up with ideas that we really like. With we think they're the ideas that they should go with, but WWE don't end up going that way, and more often than not, they do something really really rubbish, and we're like ah. But they should have done our thing. And that's quite an entitled way of thinking. Yeah. But, you know, we've been, we wouldn't be like that if WWE... I mean, no one's saying that about Kofi Kingston. We're not all sitting here going, ah, oh, but Mustafa Ali. It's like, no, that was a great use of Kofi Kingston and way to build him up. But on this episode of Raw, you had Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and Alistair Black. Like, these are four really big stars that we're all hugely invested in and have you know, four or five great ideas for each guy on how to debut them. And systematically through this episode, they didn't do that. And you only get one debut. You only get one first impression. Maybe they will build them up over time and be booked better. And they will get over looking at the, the most recent track record of NXT call-ups over the years. 
I don't know why you would think that, but let's have some hope. But like I said, you only get one debut. And Alice, I, I get Alistair Black was actually in the Royal Rumble, but that's kind of, that's in its own Same with Gargano. Same I kept, Gargano. kept saying Gargano, he eliminated Jinder Mahal in the Royal Rumble. But think of Alistair Black and just fantasy booker a, sh a stare down with the undertaker or just knocking out a, a top champion with one kick samoa joe daniel bryan all of the things you could have done and it's in a segment with elias and i okay like that's n nowhere close to what i would have done that's beneath the thousandth option on my list of ways to debut alistair black but okay you're going to do it like you said. I'm not a fan of it, but at least have him. Maybe he doesn't even get the entrance. Lights come up after Elias' thing. He's right there. Black mass knocked out. That's all you need to do. Don't have him say a word. But to have him wrestle in a competitive match against Elias with rest holds, and he only just gets a victory at the end, and it's boring. What on earth were they thinking? I mean, you say it was competitive, it was one-sided. Yeah, yeah. On Elias's side, it was an incredible lack of foresight in how to debut a character like Alistair Black, a wrestler like Alistair Black, on the main roster. If this is an official call-up, that's embarrassing. That is an embarrassment of how to call up Alistair Black. Like every storyline, every feud you could have done, and it's just a man probably wakes up in bed one morning, has a bad stake, and it's like, let's call up some NXT guys. Who's the top NXT guys? Yeah, let's use them. We need to do something. AEW's a thing. And they they debut like this. It's like, it's, it's, so re it's such a reluctant debuting of people. None of them were treated like stars. And why wouldn't you try to create stars with them right off the bat? Why would you put them in the mid-card when Raw is nothing but mid-card. You need main eventers on this show. Well, this was the call-up strategy last year, which is we're just going to announce people in the superstar shakeup, and they're going to come in, but we're not really going to do anything with them. They're just going to have backstage promos. They'll have a debut match where they squash some people, and then we haven't really thought of anything else. If I would have thought the smart way to do a call-up is to map out a storyline reason for why they're there. Not just, you're here to fill time. You're here to be a body on a roster that we need because we need to do live shows. Have a storyline reason for them to go in there. Give them a feud for them to, to start with. So you can't just take four lads and put them on a show for no storyline reason and then say, care about them. Yeah. And the same way when they did their on the way to WWE lark. You can't just say, they're debuting, care about them. The Superstar shake-up last year, Sanity are coming up, care about them. Andrade's coming up, care about them. If you give them loads of people all at once, you're like, well, who am I supposed to care about? What storylines are they meant to be doing? What storylines am I meant to be invested in? Well, none, apparently, because there are no storylines. They're just there. In EC3, it almost felt like he was starting to get a storyline with Dean Ambrose, but that didn't continue this week. EC3 was nowhere to be seen. It, and the only ones who seemed to get it, Lacey Evans and Heavy Machinery, I think are now an act. Together. It's 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 terrible. And like even if you're gonna do this, make it make variety out of it. Like maybe one guy gets a squash match, one guy gets a video package, one guy gets 
a, a, a storyline angle where he attacks someone after the match. But yeah, there was there was nothing. This was so uninspired, and it really it's so it's so bad on so many levels. It's it's bad. For, it was a boring episode. It completely ruins that first impression because you only get one, and it's gutted NXT. It's potentially gutted NXT. If they're official call-ups. If they're official call-ups. But even if they're not official call-ups, it severely undermines NXT. It does damage NXT in the long run. If, As I said, because if you're a casual fan and you go and watch NXT, that show's not going to make any sense because the characters are all very different. And then if you see Alistair Black squashing someone else, you'll be like, well... He, that guy's rubbish, and why is the other guy rubbish? He couldn't even beat, well, he barely beat Elias, who is lower mid-card at best at this point. I I hated this episode, and usually I, I see the, I try and look at the opinion out there and temper my, myself, because sometimes you get sucked into your own vortex of negativity when actually the shows aren't that bad. And I've seen a lot of people go, oh my God, what a surprise, shocking show. And I'm like, I I can't disagree more. Like I'm dying on this hill. So um, apologies if this is a very negative episode, but I that you've got to you've got to believe that I genuinely believe this isn't me being negative. I think this is hugely detrimental to so many facets of WWE, not just now but for the future. Like th- th- these were the guys that we would be really excited. I think we've all in our heads. Yeah, WWE sucks, but look at NXT. Like when that tier of talent gets in and Triple H gets in charge, that's when it's going to get good. Finally, it's like that eternal uh, sort of nirvana always just off in the horizon. That light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And this was, you know, your your two, three year bit, this talent. And they've done this with them. So I'm, I am, I said to you this morning, I feel like I've had an argument with someone because I was walking around so, so like just, just angry and i thought I, everything else is okay in my life why why do i feel so annoyed but it's because i i really am genuinely passionate about wwe and wrestling and nxt and and they've this is just so insulting and so short-sighted and just such a tremendous tremendous waste that i'm i'm actually emotionally down this is what you wanted ollie you wanted nxt call-ups no i'm i'm kidding obviously i as I said, I didn't hate this episode as much as you. And I don't particularly know why, because it was damaging to the guys that I really, really like. And I suppose now that we've recapped this, I am more, I'm more down on the show than I was initially. But I thought, moreover, this was just a boring show. And it, I think I've convinced myself that these aren't official call-ups, that this is just an example of the territory system that Triple H has envisioned for what he wants WW to be in the future. I've, I think I've literally talked myself into this, and that's why I'm not as down on this. So I'm like, oh, well, that just, it just makes sense now. I've preached it this whole situation. But really, the, the bigger picture of this, the reality of this, is that this was a very, very bad episode of Raw, a very boring episode of Raw, and one that is quite damaging to quite a lot of people who had main event potential. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Patreon. Ledgehammer shout outs. So thank you, Devious Daryl Dominic. Always Devious. Yeah. Yeah. They are only known as hashtag Team LOL. They're the people who said Raw was good. They're hey. probably not a Patreon anymore. <laughs> uh, would you like some Edward Fries with that? Oh, I yes, certainly please. would. Yes, please. Mr. Plough. That's his name. That name again is Mr. Plough. Whoa. Man. Simpsons yes. reference. The Street Cat, Jesse James. Oh, because he's like the road dog, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that was his suggestion. Yo, Adrian! Rocky. Whoa! Yeah. Naughty Nathan Lamont Collins. Naughty. So, so naughty. So naughty. He quit the band. Mike Solo Man. That's a bad pun. Oh, come on. That's a good one. Whoa, Solomon. She should be so lucky, Kylie Downey Downey. Whoa! <laughs> That's probably a better one. And Sean of the Dead Peril. Woo! Yes. Nice one. As we already said, uh, Triple H kicked off the show with that that promo, and then after, like, I was like, oh wow, this was back when I was excited and optimistic. I thought. Well, it is a new era. They're just going to completely reset everything. We've got a new main event scene. What's our first in-ring match? It's Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman. <laughs> so, like, my note to this, I just, like, like you, it was a proper setup moment. You're like, oh, my God. Like, my notes are just like, holy yes, it's Ricochet. Black as well. I think it's official call-ups. Caps on Gargano too. Champa. Why is Champa smiling? Which is yeah, one of my yeah, bigger yeah, notes. Yeah. Why is Champa smiling? I, I like, my, my girlfriend in the other room called her, is everything okay? So she's going, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh, this is this is crazy. Like, what an episode of, of Raw. Like, I'm, I'm making my notes. And then Triple H goes, and we're kicking the night off with Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman in a tables match. And I was like, well, this will bring you crashing back down, isn't it? You're back to the slumping in your seat of being like, and look, 
people have had a go at me on Twitter about this, and people have had a go at me on the in the comments about this when I was complaining that, um, or I was criticizing, I should say, rather than complaining, that we were getting Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman again at Elimination Chamber, and everyone said they've only had one pay per view match, mate. It does not feel like these two have only had one pay-per-view match. It feels like they have had a match every single bloody week on this show since November. Mm. And and Baron was in Baron Braun was injured for a lot of that. It feels like this feud is never ending. And at the end of this, it still feels like it's never ending. Oh, I I felt like this was hopefully a wrap-up. But where so, do they go now? What, hopefully, what? The like other w- side w- of the country. Like, WWE don't have a track record of just <laughs> dropping things at their convenience. Well, it was a tables match. Um, I didn't actually hate the match. I thought both guys gave it their all. There were some nice spots. Uh, Strowman's tremendously fun when he does some of his power bits. And I love I love Corbin's run out the ring, round the ring post, back in. He did that round the table set up in the corner, which I thought was really fun. He did that in the show. He did, well, yeah, with the kendo stick in yes. the elimination yeah. for the elimination chamber. But we, you know, we got this the previous night. It wasn't that um, in, in, engaging then. But more crucially, that the closing visual of that match was Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre putting Braun Strowman through the two tables off the steel ring steps and they were nowhere to be seen here. No, I know. So I just thought, well, what's the what's the point? Yeah. What's the point of the thing that happened last night? Which is why I was hopeful that, okay, they've dropped that bit and now it's it's moving on to something else. Uh, Luke's going to have another little blow of the nose, so I'll, I'll carry on. Please do. Then we got this... <coughs> so Brock Lesnar's not around. We know that. So Paul Heyman came out. Paul Heyman's good. Uh, Braun Strowman kind of passed him on the way out and caught hold of Heyman's throat. And this stopped Heyman from speaking, so they had to go to commercial. It was a very badly done transition. It was just confusing. It looked more like a mistake or like the, the video clip wasn't queued up in time. And then Paul, we come back after the ad break. Paul Heyman's in the ring. He cuts a promo introducing a video package of Paul Heyman cutting a promo on Brock Lesnar. And I, I sat back and I was like, this is laughable. Yeah, it was. This like- is absolutely insane. As good as that video package was, and it was, this is just, what? why have Heyman come out to introduce this promo of Paul Heyman talking? Maybe it was there to do a tease that we're going to be getting a Braun Brock showdown again because you had the Braun Heyman interaction at the top of the ramp. I I thought this also, was stupid. Also, you've got to have Paul there because if Seth's not coming out for a promo, you've got to try and you've got to have someone go out for the live crowd to build this match because one element of this match is not going to be here until the closing weeks of before WrestleMania. So you've got to have Paul or Seth go out, and I guess this week they decided to send out Paul because Paul's got to introduce this video package of Paul talking about something. Yeah, because that that was that was really the thing that won the crowd over. You're right. I take it back. <laughs> Finn Balor came out. He, I've written here. They lightly chant, "Burn mm. it down." Uh, Finn Balor comes out, interrupts Paul's in-ring promo. Um, no interaction, really, though. No, Paul just disappeared. Yeah, he like Thanos away. Thanos away. Uh, which is, you know, but maybe because he believed he believed in Finn Balor now which is still just such a ridiculous motivation for everyone. And that's where Finn's jumped by Rush and Lashley. We've already talked about this. Blah, blah, blah. Ricochet had a good showing. Then Drew McIntyre's back. This was the one saving grace of this episode for me. And that Dean Ambrose is kind of my avatar 
in the WWE universe. Well, he's given up. Oh, mate. Dean Ambrose was perfectly, I don't give an F anymore. Like the, the Seth scene he has later on. <laughs> I've watched it several times now and I've laughed. I've <laughs> belly laughed every time I've seen it. The way when Seth pulls a face. Oh, it's funny. It is funny because he he does not care. Yeah, I like playing what was originally scripted for <laughs> Dean Ambrose in this segment. He <laughs> probably had like some long three minute thing about germs yeah. and Roman Reigns. And here he is. Nah, yeah. nah, I'm not going to do that. Was Triple H backstage with Natalia? Yes. Okay. Natalia sometimes doesn't look like Natalia. It's she, one of her superpowers. She did. I've written here. Triple H is backstage with dot 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 Natty. Yeah, because there's Natalia the way we know her, and then she's got this weird Instagram Natalia yeah. who who looks like a completely different person who's a glamour model. And this seemed to be more akin to that that version. Yeah, I think she would look like a glamour model at all times, Oliver Davis. No, I mean uh, like a stereotypical I know, glamour I'm, I'm model. I'm messing with right. you. Um, whatever <clears throat> happened to uh, to her feud with Dana Brooke? Probably the same place Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley went to in the Baron Corbin friend zone. Yeah. Uh, so McIntyre's backstage. He's talking. To, he, he interrupts Triple H and Natalia chatting about nothing. And uh, yeah, I thought so. No, no authority figures. But hey, Triple H can have this match with Seth Rollins. Yeah. Well, he's not an authority figure. The fans are the authority figures. You got to remember this. But Triple H told the fans that they don't matter. Two weeks. I'm. He also said, oh, he also, as, not as an authority figure, but did announce there were going to be some NXT call-ups uh, mm. on this show. So, um, oh, not call-ups, debuts. So, um, you know. Boy, that's confusing. It, it is weird. But I like Drew in this segment because Drew was like, it's it's the, the Cassius Ono thing he's doing in NXT at the moment. It's like, you just keep getting all these new toys and overlooking me. And he's just like, I don't care about these four guys. I want to be in the main event of WrestleMania. Give me a match with Seth. I'm I'm the main event of this show, and then Dean walks up and uh, says that uh, I'm not doing anything, and he slaps him, <laughs> which was such a flippant slap. <laughs> what like a like slap, and then yeah, Drew asks for a match with Dean instead. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, Dean Dean was Dean was great. Then we got Lucha House Party beating Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Kurt Hawkins took the loss. Uh, Corey Graves, clearly a fan of Lance Storm on Twitter, because Lance Storm had a, a, he had a moment last week where he was like, Michael Cole needs to stop saying they love to have fun. Who doesn't love to have fun? That's the whole point of having fun, is okay. you like having fun. And so Michael Cole at one point says like, and he said it so deadpan, like dead behind the eyes, they love to have fun. As if someone had said to him in the head, said, say it, Cole, say it now. You know, they love to have fun. Corey Graves instantly on him going like, the, everyone loves to have fun, Michael Cole. And there's this pause and you can hear Michael Cole almost like shrugging the shoulders like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the Dave Meltzer had another tweet. Did you see this one? Which was, it was something along the lines, I'm going to paraphrase badly. All the commentary that happened on tonight's Raw, everyone should watch that and realize that's not how you do it. Yeah, he tweeted to Alex Marvez, who looks like he might be doing the commentary for AEW, and was like, hey, Alex Marvez, watch the commentary on Raw tonight and do the complete opposite of that. Mm. I mean, this was bad commentary, but let's not lose sight of things. 2011 was worse. <laughs> it's not the worst commentary of all time, but it's pretty, pretty damn unlistenable. Yeah. Uh, so, now, okay. I'll always, now, stand, okay. By I'll always okay. stand by it. Here we go. <laughs> In hindsight, this might have been my favorite part of the show. Honestly, in hindsight, it might have been. It was the. I thought I was having a fever dream at one point. I, I said this in my in my review 
Like, you might think, hey, with all these new NXT call-ups to ruin, maybe the old ones are safe. <laughs> no, because it's a three-hour show, and of course they'll have time. So Heavy Machinery came out for an interview segment with Dasha. I've written Charlie. Charlie, question mark. I've, I've even forgotten who the, the angry one is. Charlie, right? Mean Charlie. mean Charlie. Yeah. So how do you feel about being stupid people, you stupid people? <laughs> and heavy machinery. She had a great moment later, actually, in the, in the uh, uh, I was going to call him the Russian, in the Ricochet mm. interview, which we'll get to. So heavy machinery having this interview at the top of the ramp. It's one-dimensional stuff. I guess two-dimensional because there's catchphrases and, and bits there that make it seem like it's fun. They're, but really, there's no depth to it. They're blue-color solid. Yeah. And they're brothers? What? No, they're like they're brothers in the way that you and I are like we're friends and you're like we're sort of best friends. And you said like oh we're brothers and that we're sort biological of brothers. Well, oh, well, aside from that, with our different surnames <laughs> and different parents, um, but it's yeah, it was just weird blue color solid. And then Tucky, Tucky Otis would come in and just go stakes are wait, Tucky, and just, and would just say things. Crowd silent, just like complete abject silence. And it's one of those moments where you look at these two and they're cutting a promo. And I thought to myself, why did you send them out here to cut a promo when that's not their strength? Paul Heyman famously says in the ECW documentary, hide the weaknesses, accentuate the positives. The accentuate the positives of Heavy Machinery is they are fun to watch in the ring. And Otis does the Caterpillar and it's a lot of fun. And they're a big fun blah, 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 tag team. Don't have them go out there and cut promos. That's not their strength. They're better at it than Sasha Banks and Bailey are. <laughs> well, on on that, you know, on that way of thinking, maybe Vince has seen Lacey Evans walk and then go, "That's that is fantastic. her strength." Because what happened is Lacey Evans came out, her music played, she walked down the ramp just like she did at Elimination Chamber, got halfway, turned around, walked back up. It's still, I don't think it. I, I mean, what we know what she's doing. I think everyone knows what she's doing, but it's just. I, I don't think it's clearly explained. What do you explained. think she's doing? I think she's coming out and going, oh, you know what, actually? You're not good enough for me. I'm walking back up the ramp. I, what she do you is, think she's doing? Well, I don't know, because I, I think that might be it. But she does a terrible job of conveying that. And WWE presentation in general. That's also key to it, yeah. is that the commentary don't build this up. And she doesn't really, she just walks, stops, turns, and walks back. It's only when she's on Twitter later that she's like, not going to be here, hashtag Yanastis. And the only reason I know that is because I watched Laurie's News yesterday. I, we're not all on Twitter checking what the stars are saying. Just give us a storyline reason for why she's doing this. So is the key to all of this, because my read of this is that Lacey Evans came out, she did her catwalk thing and walked back, and then she smiles to Heavy Machinery as in like, can you do that? And Heavy Machinery looked at her and went, I think we can. And they did the bushwhackers walk down the ramp and walked back up all the while Lacey is laughing. My notes read in caps, what is going on? Mm. And then I've seen some people on Twitter say like, oh, I think she's now their manager. And they're going to be like a trio act. <sighs> and in some ways, I can see that leading to some fun backstage vignettes of Lacey Evans trying to make Otis and Tucker more prim and proper. 
Sort of my fair lady. Dressing them up in suits. She's all that. Yes. Yeah, she's all that. That's the reverse. (laughs) She's all that. A much better reference than my fair lady. Um, So maybe that's where they're going with this. Although we then joked in the office that a much better way is that Heavy Machinery are her manager. Yeah. And they're going to try and make her more like them. Yeah, I guess it's so badly told that I got something completely different. And oh, what that did you is, get? Well, yeah, she walks out. She's like, ah, you, you're not worth my time. She walks back. And then Heavy Machinery are like, huh, we're going to mock her. And then they do their bushwhacker walk halfway down the ring, turn around, walk back. And in mocking her, Lacey Evans goes, huh, maybe you're not so bad after all. These two rough scullions have made me laugh. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> hey, none of it's good. Do you know what, though? It's a storyline. I'm looking for some positives here. That is a storyline. Mm. If they can continue that storyline, that's a different matter. It's, SmackDown's going to be a fascinating show tonight. I have no idea what to expect now. Yeah, Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, God, like the brand split is in tatters right now. With I don't I still don't know oh, where these NXT. Did you not see the comments on Saturday's show? You cannot get rid of the brand split. Yeah, yeah. It'll be the worst thing ever to get rid of the brand split. Well, I don't think they should. But the that th- that that's what's happening. <laughs> They're not abiding by their own laws. I think there's an argument for a shared roster. Not when they go to Fox. Uh, so that like the networks won't allow it. But then we had the Johnny Gargano Tommaso Ciampa versus the Revival match, and Ricochet got a nice promo backstage. Well, this is where I thought Charlie had her mean Charlie mm-hmm. moment of the night, where she walked up to Balor and Ricochet, and she said, uh, DIY won, but I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about you. <laughs> that was really good, good mean Charlie, I guess. I don't know why she's doing it, but yeah. she's... She's trying to be more like Renee Young, like a heel Renee, I think, is what Charlie is going for at the moment. I don't think this is a conscious effort whatsoever. No, I, no, think, this, I, just... I think this is all by design. Oh, I, I, <laughs> there are so many things I have no idea about, just in life. But more, I thought wrestling was the thing I could understand, but WWE of... It's just so weird. So then we get a Kevin Owens promo. It's like the third one, I think. So we got one last Raw, and then we got uh, in the chamber as well. And now he's in a cinema foyer, and he's on his phone again, and he drops the phone, and he picks it back up. And this was, you know, I think he's very good in this because he's very good at everything. And his child interrupts him at one point and says, you know, here's the popcorn, and Kevin Owens asks for change, and the child says, I haven't got any change, and Kevin Owens is like, from a $20 bill. Obviously, the child's taken the money. That's what I used to do all the time. And he delivers it really, really funny, like funnily. And then he says, things have now been put in perspective and I'm ready to fight again. Seriously, no change. (laughs) (laughs) It was very well delivered. Uh, I don't know where they're going with it. Um, And based on everything else WWE have done, I'm not particularly confident. But I love Kevin Owens, and if anyone can make anything work, apart from the, the Face of America gimmick, it's him. So one of the reports I think I heard today is that it's going to be, or one of the rumoured ideas is it's Brian versus Owens at Mania for the WWE Championship, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah th- I mean, this is speculation from Meltzer. Yeah, so, oh, it's just speculation. Well, it, so he, apparently the idea for Brian at WrestleMania is it's going to be a returning star whether that be a Bray Wyatt or a Kevin Owens or yeah. a Sami Zayn, we okay. don't know. Right, okay. And it kind of makes sense if it's Owens because he's your everyday guy, the guy that Brian's been cutting promos on every week, a bit being the planet's champion. So that kind of lines up, I guess. It could, it could work really, really well. And 
SmackDown have been making everything work really, really well. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm interested to see where it's they incredible go. Incredible, it's the same company, mm. and it's the same guy. Yeah, like, ultimately. Yeah. Ultimately, and it's it's amazing when you see people go like WWE is or Raw is trash, like but SmackDown gets it. Like it's the same guy booking both shows. Like it's the same guy that gets it and doesn't get it. Yeah. It's a weird, weird company. Um, then after this, we got the alluded to earlier Bailey and Sasha Banks. She still lost her words. Where they they Wish cut a, a few more. They cut a, a scripted in ring promo to a very light you deserve it chant and yeah neither of them are good at scripted in-ring promos so they cut a scripted in-ring promo it was it was nothing and then nia jackson tamina came out thankfully nia Jax came out i don't say that very often but sometimes like she comes out makes fun of them makes fun of the crowd and it made me laugh yeah, Jax is good in she's this role. She's very, very good in this role. And she's trying to cause dissension between Sasha and Bailey, saying Sasha will only only cares about Sasha. And then I thought to myself, oh, this is brilliant heel work. Because the storyline they told last week, I think it was on SmackDown, is that when they did that Nia and Tamina promo, Tamina can't get a word in edgeways because Nia keeps acting like she's the star. So I was like, oh, that's what they're going to do here. Nia's going to keep saying to Bailey and Banks, Bailey, uh, Banks is only interested in Banks and she's only into this for herself. And then as soon as Tamina starts to cut a promo, Nia just talks over her because she's only in this for herself. And it's a good, you don't re- you're don't you being a heel, but you don't realize you're you're being a hypocrite of this sort of thing. That seems like a really fun thing. Then Tamina just cut a promo and I was like, oh, well, I guess I fantasy booked something in my head that was better than this again. Yeah. Well, better than better than nothing. They're not doing anything. Anything they set up, they don't follow through on. Unless it's the top, top stories. Remember when Stephanie kicked out Becky's leg? Oh, yeah. I mean, that could still play into something. I'm, I'm not writing that off yet. <laughs> I still, I still think the well authority given, is. I'm well given up on that. Because I think Stephanie is a baby face now. So, yeah. To, the Tamina Nia Jax character dynamic seems to have been dropped. Banks and Bailey fought them off getting in the ring. That's the segment. Lame. Like yep. it doesn't make me want to see the next chapter in this supposed feud. Uh, DX and Hall of Fame for, got a Hall of Fame video package. Then we got Dean Ambrose versus Drew McIntyre. We're just not going to talk about how lame DX were in 2006 because that was what I got from this video. Was just like ah, DX work. Oh yeah, and they were really lame in 2006. Yeah, there, there wasn't much of that era. Well, yeah, because it's just like, here were DX when they were so cool and they were like edgy and here's all the characters. And then it was like, and then it was all green gunk and poop. Mm. Well, they did make Vince McMahon fart that time (laughs) uh, when when they were in the olden days. That's not me. Uh, So Dean Ambrose took on Drew McIntyre and Drew beat him in two minutes. It was it was like a 50-50 match, but it was very short. Two Claymores. True one. Yeah. Because I like Dean's on his way out. It's it's a hell of a storyline work. <laughs> that Dean's there's there's all a, a conspiracy theory. I, I said there was a part of me that thought he was pilmanizing this. I uh, I like Drew just walking to the ring with purpose. He didn't do his entrance. Because he is someone who is not buying into this WWE rhetoric of just like, you've got to do your entrance, you've got to give the live crowd this thing. He's like, no, I'm telling a story here. I'm telling a story with my character. I want to beat this little guy up. So I'm just, I'm not going to do my entrance. I want to go down to the ring and have a fight. So I really appreciated that part of Drew here. 
And then, yeah, he just beat him very, very quickly. I've seen some people tweeting, uh, Jimmy Corderas were very upset that they're just jobbing Dean Ambrose out like that. How disrespectful of you. And Jimmy just responded again, he's leaving. Of course he's going to lose. He's on his way out. Yeah. that's It's been that way for a hundred years. Why would you expect it to be different now? Because the Revival won belts and then the Usos <laughs> won belts. Everyone else is getting belts. Mike Kanellis is going to be WWE champion by the end of the month. <laughs> Then we got, hey, guess what? Another Paul Heyman video package talking about Brock Lesnar. I did like these videos, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're great videos. You can't complain about that. But two videos and a Paul Heyman promo introducing one of the videos. Three hours, man. They've got time to fill. So I didn't get this because, you know, I kind of tuned out. I just watched the images go past me. But Brian Alvarez said in that first promo, Paul Heyman was very much saying, look, this is the first time that Brock Lesnar's opponent hasn't got a chance in hell and he's going to easy beat Seth. There's no chance. And then in this promo, Paul Heyman is saying Seth Rollins hasn't got anything left to lose. He's Brock Lesnar's most dangerous opponent. <laughs> like, you can't even stay consistent within 90 minutes of your own show. Yeah, clearly I missed up. I, I missed that as well. <sighs> um, so after that, Seth Rollins had a backstage interview saying how he will win the Universal Championship at WrestleMania, which got a pop. They got a reaction from the crowd. I was like, oh, I forgot the crowd were here. And then Dean walks into shock after <laughs> losing to Drew McIntyre in two minutes. And he's like, for ages, he's oh, going to... Oh, really overselling that. Ah, oh, oh, ah, oh. Oh. And uh, he goes, where were you, man? Why didn't you come out to save me? And Rollins is like... What are you talking about? Have you lost your mind? And Dean does this. This is going to be terrible for podcast listeners. He goes... <laughs> And just balls of face for so long. And then she goes, huh? Yeah. And walks away. I proper laugh. It's so funny. I've watched this so many times and it makes me laugh yeah. every time. When Fakador was re-watching this episode of Raw, because when he found out that we're like these NXT callers, he was like, oh, I'm going to go check out these bits and pieces. And actually, to his credit, Fakador liked this show. He was very, very he praising it. He didn't watch the whole show. <laughs> but when we went into record, he didn't watch the whole show yet. Yeah. And... When I realized that he was watching that segment, I was like, unplug your headphones. I want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. And we all gathered around and we all had a good old chuckle. And me and Fagador have just been pulling that face at each other (laughs) across the office. Uh Oh, Uh, that's great. Yeah, I I mean, I wish I had. I I want to take what Dean's taking to forget (laughs) the last four months of of Raw. Uh, Because, yeah, of course, Rollins and Dean have been blood feuding and and he, he wants him to help him. Uh, after that, we got the Alistair Black match, and then the main event was Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot. Why? Considering that Ronda beat her in two minutes the night before. But she made her believe, I guess, because she got a rematch out of it. Uh, Ruby got the jobber entrance in all of this. We won Becky Chance, and I was like, why is this going longer than the pay-per-view match? Yeah, it, it makes no sense. Like, look, Ronda looked pretty dominant. And uh, in, in the elimination chamber, you say match. pretty dominant. Well, yeah, like very a hundred percent dominant. Yeah. So why have her undo that a bit here? I mean, I'm not going. Wow, Ronda's completely ruined. But why? Why do it? Why? <laughs> why have her wrestle like a five seven minute match with Ruby Riot after beating her very convincingly the night before? Where Ruby gets she hits her finisher twice on this, and you've got the commentators screaming that Ruby might win the belt. Crowd are not popping for. 
any of these near falls whatsoever. Mm. It never felt like Ronda was going to lose her title. I, mean, I thought the reason they had this match booked is so the Riot Squad could get involved and then at least there'd be a bit of intrigue there. But nope, Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan did not get involved and Ronda beat them both up afterwards. And that's the show. Like the show goes off air with Ronda standing tall in the middle and the Riot Squad, you know, just beaten up and thrown out the ring. Like, did you really need to end on that? That is like your second hour of Raw at best. It's really funny. So I don't tend to kind of look at the clock or look at sort of like how long the video has been on for. So when she, when Ronda beat Ruby and then dumped the Riot Squad, I double tapped enter to take my next set of notes for what's going to happen next. So I was like, oh, cool. and then they're going to do something with Charlotte, I guess, because they've got to build to this WrestleMania match. And then the show ended and I was like, oh, okay. Guess that's, I guess that's, I'll go and have a shower. I guess Raw's done for this week. I thought it was a, uh, a boring episode of Raw. I thought, it, and don't get confused that the shocking sudden call-ups are exciting. Like, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's like saying, oh, I didn't see that punch to the ball sack coming. <laughs> that, that was a shock. We did have someone. But it hurt. Yeah, someone on our Patreon page uh, did say, how awesome was Raw last night? On oh, my days, you guys need to check it out if you can. It was Surprise City. It certainly was surprising. But like I said, not all surprises are welcome ones. When they ruin the future direction of the company... Uh, the developmental promotion, one of the best stories ever told in wrestling, in my opinion, with Champa and Gargano. Uh, it's it's, it's an, an awful show. So we always say you can have a bad, boring show. I don't typically rank those zero out of five or whatever. That's like a two out of five thing. But if it's damaging to certain characters or the product as a whole, that's what I take real offense with. And this was one of the most, possibly the most damaging show I've ever reviewed of Raw. I thought it was a boring show. I didn't like the NXT stuff. The rest of it was boring as well. It was, it was, it was a boring show. There's very little on Raw that, that excites me at the moment. And this kind of why, like, the, the conversation that Laurie and I had on the Saturday show about the brand split, that's why it kind of came up. Because I was like, Raw's struggling at the moment because of the brand splits, because it's got a small small pool of talent that it's trying to work with and a lot of them are the top guys either aren't there or they're injured and not working at the moment and that's why you end up having constant baron corbin braun Strowman interactions and it just feels like a very boring boring show and that's my argument to kind of like if you had all the brands back together you had a shared roster you wouldn't have this issue i think a lot of people took that to mean that i don't know i don't know what people thought i meant by it but um I understand why we have to have the brand splits, but if you had a shared roster, you wouldn't have had this issue. But this is another example of why the brand split can be a bad thing, because it was such a shallow show, even with those NXT call-ups. If, if you didn't have those NXT call-ups, what matches did you have on this show? Well, but, but I Lucha guess House the, Party versus Kurt and Zack. But the the show was designed around those NXT call ups. I yeah, but that's because they had to do a panic button. Like, but that's what I'm saying. If you didn't have those four lads there, what matches would you have been able to book on this show? Yeah. Well, you got Ronda Rousey, you got Braun Strowman. You said Seth can do. Uh, Paul Heyman can do five promo segments. <laughs> that's what I mean. I know. It's it's this this. I, I hated it. I hated it. I know everyone wants to hear the final part 
the so-called final part of the clothing debate. I think we need a, we need a debate on whether there's a final word. Uh, I, I, I've got a question for the SWAF Nation and Ooh. the Pod Swafters and the After Swafters. We were talking in the office about Randy. That Randy Datsun now has two fans. <laughs> yeah, he's he's identified them. He won't stop complaining about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're, they're just always pestering me, saying how great I am. It was. <laughs> I should have my own segment on the but videos. You, you can't say it that way though, because he gets upset that we that we're not making fun of him. But like he he accused me earlier of making up that he keeps referencing these people. But it has been there have been multiple occasions where he's come in and said. I have a fan. But we were talking about Andy's uh, epic fan base. And I th- we were like, what? so what should Randy Datsun's fans be called? You know, like Justin Bieber has Beliebers, uh, One Direction. They're, they're, directioners. Are they Directioners? I, I think so. I always thought Wonders was a better name because they, they simplified down to 1D. Mm. Wonders. Yep. Uh, Katy Perry. Oh, I can't remember. Lady Gaga's got Monsters. Oh, yeah. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would Randy Datsun's group of fans be called? How should we refer I, I, to, to them? I, I came up with the Sons of Dat, mm-hmm. but I, I don't like that. Yeah, no. I, so we'll, we'll put that out there. Um, I won't do it as a pod poll, but certainly get in touch with us on the Discord channel or via email, luke at wrestletalk.com. With, or actually, no, andy at wrestletalk.com. Tell him directly uh, what his fan base should be called. So here is why I am putting an end to the great clothing debate. Okay. So, and I, I kind of am gutted that I'm putting an end to this now because someone suggested on Discord that we're about to head into a civil wardrobe. Oh, that's good. It's good, right? But in the space of 48 hours, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven emails on the subject. And they just kept coming in. And it was like, someone would send me an email. And then an hour later, I would get another email that was like about the clothing debate. And then the following day, I'd get another email about it. And I was like, I, this is getting out of hand now. I think we might have to put an end to this. Did you talk about it on the Saturday show with Laurie? No. So this is all from last uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. NXT, like, NXT reviews are literally like WWE. They're out of continuity. Right. With, with, like, we have our own set of emails that I've we do it, yeah. because they email us about sort of NXT specific things and board games and, and such. Um, so this comes in from uh, Chet who says, Ahoy, lad. Uh, My wording may be a bit off. I never went to uni. Uh, I've been debating uh, about whether to write in or not about this fashion, uh, fashion drama of all dramas, sizing. I'm not in fashion uni, though I take part-time classes in the CSM. And when we start taking classes about the patterns, which is the way a garment fits, the head of the classroom took the time out of the first lesson to say, no matter what your sizing says at M&S, it's not going to fit properly. If you're unaware what a pattern is, a pattern is usually the fit of the garment you wear. The pattern is made out of paper. After making the pattern, you'll all cut out the garment fabrics of the edges, sewing up to create your final, usually not properly sized garment. Every size has its own measurements, which depending on fabric and body types, uh, uh, drapes differently. Even if the fabric is thick like wool, the garment will have a tighter fit. We must all understand this sizing issue has become uh, recently come into the modern age, even after the hip-hop trend of baggy clothes and scallies. If we look at the older vintage cotton jumper size and smaller in the pit and pit dimensions and all of the measurements compared to our globally accepted sizings. So he was giving a little bit of background there on Mm. on why sizing is the way that it is. 
Cosmic Anvil says, uh, Dear Luke, Ollie, and Laurie, I just want to put my point of view across since I'm from Australia. Australia. And we basically copied everything from you Brits. We had the same problem. Luckily, we now have a solution. We have three sets of sizes, UK, US, and AU. Now all you have to do is find out which size you are and can be sure that it will be correct every single time. Also, I have to agree with Luke, all jeans are basically the same and trying on clothes that sh- at shop just wastes time. And he put waste as in like waste. Nice. But like that, he's most likely just wearing shorts, thongs, and vests. Thongs on your feet. Yes. Not not. Um, not well, a he might be doing that as well. Could be as well. Yeah. Uh, Jacob got in touch. Um, this is an insta- a good one. Uh, hello, Luke, Ollie, Laurie, and go jogging by yourself, Randy. <laughs> First off, I'd like to apologise. You may remember the email uh, Jacob sent in last week from the fashion major. Yes. The one who told us to. Get over it. Mm. And you said that you could almost hear the finger click and the sass. The sassy head movement, yeah. yeah. First off, I'd like to apologize for my get over it argument. I was very drunk and I wanted to make a coherent point, but just <laughs> went with get over it because I lost interest at the time. Now I'm sober and ready to explain. This isn't to prove any side, just a history lesson. Brackets, I am with Ollie. Close brackets. Yes. Believe it or not, there used to be standard sizes decades ago. During the 70s, the markets, bracket not the companies, became very brand-centric rather than product-centric. They preferred a good brand over a good product. Hmm. As a result, the fashion industry decided that they would tailor their sizes to their target market so they would purchase their brand more often. Levi's appeals to slim men mainly, so their size 36 will be tighter than the size 36 of a generic Walmart branded jean. This is interesting. One way companies have been countering this is introducing flexible fabric. So even if you gain slash lose weight or buy a different brand, there is some wiggle room. I only ever buy jeans with this stretchy stuff, but it will cost more than Luke is willing to spend. I will dispute that. I'm uh, I'm not at the moment, but my skinny jeans that I did accidentally bought, the jeans that started all of this, do have that stretchy fabric and they still only cost a tenner. Way at the at the expense of Many poor children slaving away. <laughs> Completely agree. In, in a faraway land. Not defending the work of Primark. I think they're an evil corporation. Uh, although there has been some backlash over inconsistent, 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 inconsistent sizing, it's all business, sadly. I don't agree with it, honestly, but the larger market doesn't care. Companies don't care about the Luke Owens of the world because there are much more Ollie Davis that will make up for them. What he's essentially saying <laughs> is that there are more idiots like you that will just be like, it's just the way things are. No, no, no. It's like... We, we're, why do, we're why demand change for 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 people who are more highbrow, more, <laughs> more cultured? Nope, more lazy is what they are appealing to. You don't try on clothes in stores because I expect things like any normal person would to be standardized because 36 inches is 36 inches i don't care if companies have just are telling you otherwise that's the way it is he uh, signs off even though i'm a fashion student i don't agree with the business practices 100 percent and then he says consistency plug um uh, he says, however, as a fashion student, I personally have no choice but to abide. For that reason, I am with Ollie. So essentially, you're wow. bar- you and uh, Jacob here are just bowing down to the corporations, which is exactly what they want you to do. Daniel Bryan is right. When does a, when does a small company that makes bespoke jeans for men of my body shape become a corporation? Interesting. Because maybe if I buy jeans, say, from the Atliers down my road, and they have their own shape, like size structure. Mm. Mm. Wow, it's an interesting... When does 
a company become a corporation. When is a pile a pile? When is it just four beans? <laughs> that's that's a famous like, philosophical argument. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Socrates. <laughs> oh, so great. Is what it a, a great pile guy. now? What a great guy. Um, we did have an email in as well from Garrett, but it's quite a long one, so I'm going to pick some of the smaller ones here. Uh, this comes from Ryan. Hi, Luke, Ollie. A bigger one for Laurie and not to the others. Uh, I'm the one that poked AJ Styles in the eye and went on to... I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it when emails start like that. Yes. It's so good. It's like, if you don't remember me, I'm the guy that did this. Instant recognition. Instant recognition. It's like the guy that... Um, I'm the one who had Trent Seven fall on me at a show. Uh, and I wanted I'm the to... one who Kofi Kingston untied my shoes. <laughs> yes. And I wanted to weigh in on the clothing debate. On Wednesday Smackdown podcast, you mentioned the lingerie ladies that work in the office upstairs. <gasps> yeah. As a soon-to-be pledge hammer, that depends on your response here. <laughs> oh, no. He's going to ask us to do some Porky's level. I hope it's not something no. Porky's related. I've not read this in advance, Ryan. Oh, God. And a fan of all things Wrestle Talk, I want you guys to man up. I hate that term. Truly embrace the power of equality and conquer your fear of breasts. Go upstairs and please get a definitive answer on the clothing debate. Oh, okay. Lingerie is a complex world and I want to hear about clothes. I'd like to be uh, more intriguing than your cheap jeans. Remember Ross from Cultaholic spent months talking about his jeans and no one needs to repeat any of that. I don't follow that product. Um, uh, It's getting old and you guys have much better things to be talking about. That's why I wanted to put a bow on all of this, Mm. Ryan. Uh, like like any and all games that you are playing. Future WrestleTalk Gaming Platform subscriber, appreciative all you guys do and can't wait to give you money. Ryan from Prague. So Ryan is begging for us to end this debate. I must say, my fear of breasts is it like is so closely entwined with with why I love them so much. <laughs> that that that's gonna be impossible to, for me to Tell me about your mother again. <laughs> um Okay, do you want to hear... Uh, actually, here's from Evan. Um, he says, if all denim is the same because it's a material, then all toilet paper is the same because it's just paper. Ooh, uh, bra- brackets, you are my favorite on this channel. Don't hate me. Um, you didn't have to read that bit out. Afterwards. Well, I mean, he, it, it's in the email. Um, if all toilet paper is the same just because it's paper. Hmm. I suppose there is certain argument to that. I uh, do use recycled toilet paper. Where it comes from, recycled. Thank you. You put me onto that. Yeah. Who gives a crap? Who gives That's a crap? The name of the good, company. good company. Be, do they sponsor shows? Oh, if they It'd did. It'd be good to get like sponsors because I think we've got a good run of stuff we believe in. Mm-hmm. Like Beer 52. We love them. Uh, yeah, if we could get our favorite toilet paper brands. <laughs> and Domino's. I said, it, I said it in the Elimination Chamber review. Domino's, Pizza Hut, any kind of pizza. I'll take the uh, the the Kentucky not Kentucky perfect fried chicken two shop down my road that also does pizza. Them as well. Okay. I just want to be sponsored by pizza. Right. Uh, let's have this last email here. I'm very sorry, Garrett. Thank you very much for your email, but I will read it outside of this podcast. Luke, Ollie, Laurie, not Randy. Yada yada yada. You know the drill. I wasn't going to get involved, but I'm thinking about it. So here's my two pence. I originally, wholeheartedly, used to agree with Luke. I would never spend more than £15 max, but always look for deals at around £10. That was until I let my lady, met my lady partner and she changed my life and introduced me to some decent jeans. Now I still refuse to pay anything more than 25 but upping it to even just 20 is a substantial gain in quality. I recently, used, uh, recently had to buy a pair of new jeans, but the only shop available at the time had £8 jeans. Old me would have loved it, but by God, they were horrible. Boot cut straight legs. 
garlic and nasty. I wore them once before giving them to charity. Although I doubt anyone would want them, they were truly awful. I then got a decent £19 pair which were fantastic skinny leg and fit perfectly. I do agree that most denim is made equal, but most jeans aren't. The cut, the style, the feel, it's all important. You really do get what you pay for. With that said, I would never spend £50 on jeans. My lady on the other hand definitely would. Just want to say again, the jeans that I bought were skinny leg and they fit perfectly and they're stretchy. still only cost £10 because Primark have dodgy business practices. Just saying. Just, just saying. Oh, see how long they last. Do you know what? I, didn't, I wasn't going to read Garrett's email. That's the one email that's just like, by the way, Luke, I do agree. Mm. Well, that's, that's that great debate settled. But yeah, he does say £40 is, a, is, a, is barely mid-tier pricing. I'd actually buy my jeans at the same store as him, even if they were at a consistent branch in Ireland. So he thinks that £40 isn't like enough mm. to be spending hey, on jeans. Well, yeah, that's the lower end, I would say. So uh, after all of this, have you changed your opinion at all? Well, I'll still probably only spend about £10 on jeans, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because, I mean, my style is dreadful regardless. I don't think that's going to change. It hasn't been good yeah, for yeah. it hasn't been good for 33 years. Why bother trying now? I still don't think you need to spend hundreds of pounds on suits because I'd look good in the suit anyway. You can give me a crap suit and I'd make it look good because I'm like Will Smith in Men in Black. Um, I, don't, I don't care enough to continue this debate any further. If people want to spend more money on jeans, more power to you. Maybe I will one day if I'm out of options. Um, I think that's it. Let's just wait until the next series of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy comes around. It's coming back soon. It's March. Is it? Yeah, March 16th or something like that. Yes! Love that show. Love it. Um, Love and it, you'll be on a kick. You'll yeah, no, like, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not, though, because I made that error last time. Do you remember this? Last, last season, they inspired me to get a different haircut, and it was a disaster. I should have just stuck to what I know. If I don't have them there to do it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. The, yeah, because trying and testing different things. I don't have enough hair to try and test things out. Uh, that is all we've got time for on this show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a SmackDown review. We're going to find out who Daniel Bryan's Fastlane opponent is going to be. Fastlane's a pay-per-view that's happening in three weeks. You wouldn't know that by watching Raw because they have announced, they've announced nothing for it unless we're going to get Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman again. Here's hoping. So we're going to get that. We're going to get something with Charlotte, I'd imagine. And as I said, maybe even some more of these surprise NXT quote call-ups. We'll see you then. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.